The 2022 NBA trade deadline is certainly start to take shape. But when it comes to the Grizzlies themselves, how they're learning from lessons that they experienced during matchups with potential playoff opponents and making the most of them early in February, plus previewing tonight's game against the Los Angeles Clippers. That and much more on today's edition of Locked On Grizzlies. Here we go. Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you're having an outstanding start to your day. Obviously, you can find the show at Locked On Grizz. Myself, Sean Coleman, credentialed media member with the Grizzlies. I've been covering the team now for over four years over at Grizzly Bear Blues as well as here at Locked On Grizzlies. You can find me at Stats SAC and you can find the podcast free on all platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, and right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button below. Let's us know you enjoy the show. Let's others know where to find the show. It just makes the show in general the best it can possibly be. Also, certainly want to remind you of our title sponsor, BetOnline.net. So many great odds going on with Super Bowl with the Super Bowl right around the corner versus with the Rams versus the Bengals. Make sure you check out BetOnline.net, the best place for you to get the latest odds and props when it comes to the Super Bowl. So obviously want to dive right into it in a big trade, possibly the biggest trade that we're going to see this trade deadline, at least in terms of, you know, the, the, the package headliner uh, when it comes to CJ McCullum. It was not involving the Grizzlies, but it certainly did involve a division foe, the New Orleans Pelicans, getting CJ McCullum, Larry Dance, as well as Tony Snell for a package that includes Josh Hart, Nikhil Walker-Alexander, a future first-round pick, second-round pick, and others. And so at the end of the day, just like we saw the Los Angeles Clippers make a move with the Portland Trailblazers in which the Clippers got both Robert Covington and Norman Powell at a pretty good price. They didn't have to pay much to get those players because Portland basically is putting a priority on clearing their money as much as possible. The uh, New Orleans Pelicans certainly did the same thing, gaining C.J. McCollum now, and I believe two years into the future beyond this year, but also getting Larry Nance for this year and next year as well. And so while it's not the Grizzlies, who have made the move, this does potentially impact the present and future of a team that the Grizzlies are going to be facing quite a bit, obviously, with them being a division foe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, of course, the Pelicans, getting C.J. McCollum, getting to, uh, Larry Dance, without having to pay much of a price at all, yes, they did have to give up to kill Walker Alexander in a future first, but the big key is, is that the Pelicans certainly have been strengthened for the rest of this year. While they may not get Zion back necessarily, they have a very good Oh, they have a very good offensive lineup now with Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram, Devontae Graham, C.J. McCollum, and others. But the other thing is, is that they also have not only strengthened their opportunity to make the most of a playoff run this year, but they obviously are going to keep all of these key players together for next year and even beyond. So not only is this a deal right now, 
that strengthens the Pelicans, with the, which is with as far as back as they are in the standings, it may not necessarily be that big of an impact on the Grizzlies' playoff pursuits, but we do have to face them three more times this season. They're obviously going to be a better team now after this trade in those three future matchups, but also if they, for instance, were to get Zion back next year, while we've heard it plenty of times before, this could be at least offensively a very potent team for the rest of this year and obviously beyond, especially if they get Zion back. We'll dive into all the happenings when it comes to the trade deadline around the league on Friday and Monday's episodes coming up of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast and obviously discuss more in detail potential routes the Grizzlies could go on Wednesday and Thursday's episodes of Locked On Grizzlies. Obviously, if the Grizzlies were to make a move before then, we'll have the latest for you here at Locked On Grizzlies. But before we get into all the trades, I do want to talk a bit about how the Grizzlies within the roster that they have themselves. One very, very positive thing that we are starting to see is that the Grizzlies are starting to find some success putting in place lessons that they have learned from their matchups with the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets. Now, that is seven games total of the 55 games so far that the Grizzlies have played this season. And so why would that, in general, be, the, you know, why would those seven games stand out as being potentially more significant than the, you know, 48 other games that the Grizzlies played? Well, a big reason why that is, is because for Memphis, those are potentially the two teams that right now have the best chance of the Grizzlies facing in the first round of the playoffs. The Grizzlies right now stand in third place with Dallas in fifth, as well as Denver in sixth. So one of those two teams could be the team that the Grizzlies were to face in the first round of the playoffs. And both teams also potentially could see significant upgrades in their personnel before we arrive to the playoffs. Dallas obviously seems to be a team that could be very active for a significant move before the trade deadline. And Denver, of course, is hoping to have both Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back to utilize on their roster by the time the playoffs roll around. So these are two very potent teams that the Grizzlies are going to be facing. Sure, the Grizzlies have a very good chance of being able to get past both those teams to get to the second round of the playoffs, but there's specific things that they're going to have to do that they've done in going 3-0 against Denver, but that they've struggled to do in going 1-3 against Dallas. And what that particularly, uh, the spotlight that is shined on more than anything, is the how the Grizzlies are winning so many of their games. They're winning it through production to the paint, through hustle, and through offensive rebounds. But the key is, is that in these seven games against Dallas and Denver, those avenues, those advantages, those strengths for the Grizzlies, they really didn't have that big of an impact overall on their success against Dallas and Denver. For instance, the Grizzlies lead the league in nearly each and every one of these categories. And against Dallas, they performed at those levels. They performed as they do per game at, an, at a league-leading level. They produced the same production rates in terms of offensive rebounds, points off turnovers, points in the paint. They did the same thing against Dallas that they've done all season long to lead the league. But the problem is, is that against Dallas, the Grizzlies only shot 25% from three. They have they are 29 of 112 overall from three in the four games against Dallas this year. In the in, over that time, 
Dallas made 15 more threes than the Grizzlies did. And that's what wound up being the significant difference for Dallas to beat the Grizzlies in three out of four games, despite the fact that the Grizzlies were able to find their success through offensive rebounds, hustle, and uh, points of the paint. What this means is, is that the way that the Grizzlies are winning games right now in the regular season, it's fine. They need to do that all that they can in order to win ball games, so that they can get in the best position possible when it comes to the playoffs. But when it comes to them being able to do things that's going to help them advance in the playoffs, shooting the three as well as self-creation are going to be important. The Grizzlies struggled to shoot the three. Again, they had 15 less threes over four games to Dallas, and they also struggled when it came to finding their shot consistently based off creating their own shot. They struggled in those areas, but succeeded in the hustle and in the paint and and off turnovers. So that formula, struggling with the three, struggling in self-creation, but excelling through, you know, getting points in the paint off the hustle and off turnovers, that was their formula against Dallas. It led to three out of four losses. But against Denver, the formula switched up. Denver actually prevented the Grizzlies from having as much success as they usually do on the hustle, in the paint, and off turnovers. But the Grizzlies actually were able to make 10 more threes than Denver in their three games so far this season and also were able to have a much better success rate in self-creation. And that's what allowed for them to be able to win the three games versus Denver this year. Now, especially in the Denver series, both the Grizzlies and Denver were missing key pieces. But the overall takeaway is that against Dallas, self-creation was down, being able to shoot the three-pointer was down, but the Grizzlies were able to do their strengths off the hustle, in the paint, and you know off turnovers. But in a potential playoff matchup, we see that the inability to shoot threes and the inability to be successful off of self-creation that was more impactful than what the Grizzlies did, you know, on the run, in the paint, and off turnovers. And that led to Dallas winning three of the four games. But because the Grizzlies were able to shoot the three well, they were able to have success off creating their own shots, despite the fact that they struggled on the run, in the paint, and off turnovers against Denver, they were able to win that game, the the, the season series so far against Denver. So the key takeaway is that while the Grizzlies are winning many games on hustle, in the paint, and off turnovers, when it comes to potential playoff matchups, their success from three and success in self-creation may be more impactful to help them win games in the playoffs. We'll we'll go further with that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk with you a bit about TurboTax. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives. Whether you invested in crypto for the first time this year, own an up-and-coming small business, or are raising rambunctious twins, luckily TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve, no matter your unique situation. And you can talk to a TurboTax Live expert through your phone or computer without leaving your house. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you whenever you need. And if you need an extra hand, hand your taxes off to them and they'll do it all for you. The TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing, they've got your taxes, Intuit TurboTax Live. 
Can't thank you enough for checking out the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. I want to remind you, on Thursday, two days away from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, we'll have Josh Lloyd, John Corrales, and many others covering the Locked On NBA podcast trade deadline special. You may see me, but you'll probably see many other local experts chime in on the latest when it comes to the trade deadline, how big moves impact them now and into the future. Check out the Locked On NBA podcast trade deadline special from 2 to 4 Eastern on Thursday. So obviously talking in the first segment about lessons learned for, for, for the Grizzlies from their seven games against their two potential playoff matchups in both Denver and Dallas. And a couple of things need to be understood. It's far too early. They're still two months away for, their, for us to really get into, you know, potential individual and playoff matchups specifically. And also it must be understood in these seven games against Dallas and Denver, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, and the Nuggets all were missing significant pieces. So those significant pieces are likely going to play a big part in any type a potential playoff matchup. But the key in these matchups is seeing the fact that how the Grizzlies are winning games in the regular season, yes, they're important because they're going to allow for the Grizzlies to have as strong of a playoff position as possible, but other aspects of the game may be even more important than producing through hustle, producing in the, in the paint, or producing alternatives. Those three things are helping the Grizzlies win now. But shooting the three, self-creation, and good passing may actually be more beneficial to the Grizzlies in advancing in the playoffs. And the season matchups so far certainly seem to mirror that philosophy. Against Dallas, the Grizzlies were able to find their success, you know, through hustle, through in the paint, off turnovers. They were able to have success off of those avenues. But they struggled shooting the three, and they struggled when it came to creating their own shots. The result was losing three out of four to Dallas. But meanwhile, against Denver, the Grizzlies struggled producing off-hustle, producing in the paint, and producing alternatives compared to their regular numbers this season. But the Grizzlies exceeded their usual production when it came to shooting the three and when it came to self-creation. And through that, they were able to go 3-0 and against Denver. So those aspects of things, shooting and, and defending the three, being able to create, you know, being able to be productive at creating your own shot in the half court, but also passing, those are very, very important things for the Grizzlies to do. For instance, take this stat just for what it's worth. But so far this season, there have been 26 times where the Grizzlies had 10 or more threes, they had 20 or more assists, and they held their opponent to 41% or less shooting the three. The Grizzlies have done that 26 times this year. They are 25 and one when they produce that when they produce those statistics. And it's not hard for them to get that done. They've done it 26 times. That is 18th in the league when it comes to that specific threshold. My point is, is that if the Grizzlies can consistently make double-digit threes, whether it's through them shooting off of self-creation or being able to convert high-percentage looks based off good passing, if the Grizzlies can use effective ball movement, being able to combine both their self-creation of getting to the rim and into the lane with converting good looks that come open based off that activity, while also being able to defend the three well, if the Grizzlies can do those three things while also producing off the hustle in the paint and off turnovers, if the Grizzlies can consistently put that formula together, they're going to win a lot of ball games. 
But not only that, if they can do those things in the playoffs, they're going to find success in being able to realize their goal of getting that first round victory this year and getting into the second round and seeing what is hap- and see what happens. So shooting the three, being able to get have success off cell creation, but also balancing it out with high percentage looks, that's what really stands out. And so let's put them all together, right? So when it comes to the self-creation, it's not just about the Grizzlies creating their own shots from distance. The Grizzlies as a roster have improved in the ability to create their own shots from distance compared to the first two years that Taylor Jenkins was in place as coach. But self-creation also encompasses the Grizzlies' overall ability, as we've seen an improvement in, of many different players on the roster getting to the rim, creating their own scoring opportunities off the dribble, Jaw getting into the lane, Desmond getting into the lane, Jaron getting into the lane, what have you. The Grizzlies' ability to effectively do that, that is the main focus of their offense. That's why they're so good at scoring in the paint. But if they're able to do that at a high level, obviously that means their self-creation is going to be effective. But that's what leads to them having success in other areas that I mentioned. Their self-creation by driving into the lane, by getting into the lane and getting to the basket, that's going to make defenders sag off of the Grizzlies a bit more when they're on the perimeter to prevent the drive. What does that do? It gives more space for the Grizzlies to operate thus allowing for them to have a better time hitting threes off create off self-created opportunities. And the more the Grizzlies can do that, they've now got the balance both scoring near the rim and from three. But beyond more space being created for the Grizzlies to create their own shots individually from three, you also, through the Grizzlies driving into the paint, you also have the ability for more catch-and-shoot three-point opportunities more of those high percentage looks to be open when it comes to passing the basketball. I've discussed this numerous times this year. But if the Grizzlies can find a high success rate driving to the rim and converting opportunities, getting to the free throw line, and then it presents opportunities for them to either through a pass create high percentage looks from three or gives them more space to operate with to create their own shot from three, that provides the Grizzlies with offensive balance. And through that, They're able to get those 20-plus assists because they're able to convert high-percentage opportunities. The space that they have to work with and the high-percentage looks off passes from three will will allow for them to have a better time getting those 10-plus threes. And so now you're seeing the offensive balance really start to improve. And you've seen some improvements in these areas in the month of February. Over their past 10 games, five out of those 10 games, the Grizzlies have shot 39% or better from three in five of their last 10 games. In their 15 previous games, despite how much they were winning, the Grizzlies only had one game where they shot 39% or better. Again, over their past 25 games total, the Grizzlies have shot 39% or better from three only six times. In the first 15 games of that 25-game time span, they did it once. In the last 10 games of that 25-game time span, they've done it five times. And a big reason why is despite Desmond Bain, despite Tyus Jones being out, and despite John Morant kind of dropping back a bit when it comes to his three-point shooting, both DeAnthony Melton and Jared Jackson Jr. have really gotten found their grooves over the past 10 games when it comes to shooting the three. Zaire Williams turning into a corner three-point specialist, if you will. Him finding his role. 
That has helped out. The Grizzlies are starting to incrementally improve when it comes to their three-point shooting because players up and down the roster are starting to find their grooves when it comes to their shots. Now, if you can get Desmond and Tyus going and get Jaw going again, you now have the Grizzlies getting contributions up and down the roster hitting threes, which will make their ability to hit double-digit threes more consistent. That's what stands out. That is the lessons that are learned. Throw in the fact also that the Grizzlies have two-plus games with 30 or more assists for only the second time this year, and you're starting to see the Grizzlies get into a groove where they're passing the ball well, they're converting converting high-percentage opportunities, and even if Ja or Desmond or some or other reliable offensive pieces are not having their best games, the rest of the roster is picking up the production through good passing, through good shot-making, and that's what you're going to need to be able to win games in the playoffs. So lessons learned from their potential playoff opponents this year when it comes to improving self-creation, improving ball movement, and improving three-point shot opportunities. Those are three areas for the Grizzlies to consistently get better at over the next few months where you're starting to see incremental improvements that hopefully will continue for the Grizzlies to be in the best spot they can be. But that starts with their next game, and that's tonight with the Los Angeles Clippers coming to town. The Grizzlies welcome the Clippers for the fourth time this season, and again, it's a new look for a roster that has gone a lot, gone through a lot of change. How might the Grizzlies find success? We'll discuss that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk with you about Bet Online, which has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as the Super Bowl is here. And also, of course, you've got college basketball, you've got pro basketball, you've got the NHL, you've got the USC. So many different areas that you can bet and wager on. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers for the 2022 season. Check out BetOnline, where the game starts. On tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, we'll obviously have the reaction to the Grizzlies game against the Los Angeles Clippers. But then over the next two days, we'll really dive into some trade scenarios that could really make sense for the Grizzlies. Many different levels the Grizzlies could go. Is there a move or two out there that not only could solidify the Grizzlies roster going into the playoffs this year, but also could make sense for them beyond this year as well? We'll look at that and the Clippers game tonight on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So obviously the Los Angeles Clippers at 28 and 27, they're right now in a playoff spot in the Western Conference. But for a team that certainly had title aspirations coming into this season in the hope that that, uh, Kawhi Leonard may be back by the playoffs, though they've lost Paul George as well, and though it's still uncertain as to who might be back between George and Leonard and to what level they may be back, The Los Angeles Clippers, honestly, are one of the more impressive teams this season and go to show just how impressive of a coach Ty Lue is when it comes to his ability to get the most out of his players. The Clippers are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA and have found just enough offense to be able to find success and stay afloat in the Western Conference playoff picture despite losing many players to injury, but especially Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. And of course, the Clippers then went out recently and got some support for their offense in which they made the deal to get Norman Powell and Robert Covington for them to utilize in different roles when it comes to the offense. And that's exactly what's going to be there tonight for the Clippers. For the Grizzlies, 
straightforward, the Grizzlies have the better roster going into tonight's game against the Clippers. But this is going to be a game where the Grizzlies are going to have to convert high percentage opportunities. The Clippers all season long have been a top 10 defense flirting with a top five status many different times. They are very good at defending the three, and they are very good defending the two. The Grizzlies are going to find a tough time of being able to consistently orchestrate high percentage looks against the Clippers, or at least they're going to struggle a bit more than they usually do against other teams. But a big reason why the Grizzlies have been able to win against the Clippers this year is because the Clippers are susceptible to two of the Grizzlies' biggest strengths. That's offensive rebounding, where the Clippers come into tonight's game 30th in the league in terms of offensive rebounds allowed per game to the opposition, and also in terms of steals allowed. The Grizzlies lead the league in steals. The Grizzlies lead the league in offense, or have the arguably the best offensive rebounder in the league. Both those things will stand out as a way for the Grizzlies to get a victory tonight. I know I just talked about the fact that getting advantages through offensive rebounds and getting advantages off turnovers, those may not be as big of a benefit in the playoffs where basically the Grizzlies are getting a higher quantity of two-point shots than their opponents in a game. But as far as tonight goes, when a win is all that matters in the regular season, that's exactly what the Grizzlies need to do. The Grizzlies need to dominate the offensive boards, and they also need to dominate in terms of being opportunistic and getting turnovers that can lead to good scoring opportunities on the run. If the Grizzlies can do that to their strength, if they can do that to the best of their ability, they should have a very good shot of winning tonight's game. But of course, the other factor that comes into play is being able to defend the Clippers, making sure the Clippers are not getting their own offensive rebounds, making sure that the Clippers do not find success early from three and get into a rhythm. And now the big key, Norman Powell in his first game in a Clippers uniform the last time they played had nearly 30 points off the bench. The Grizzlies are going to have to be mindful to make sure that Norman Powell who the Grizzlies have faced before, and who the Grizzlies have seen have success against them before, a big key for tonight's game is making sure that, number one, the Clippers don't find success from three early and get to the rhythm, but also when it comes to Norman Powell, make someone else besides him beat you. At the end of the day, the Grizzlies, even though the Clippers have a very good defense, the Grizzlies should have the offensive advantage due to having more consistent high-level pieces than the Clippers do. But if the Grizzlies allow for the Clippers to have one or two players, Powell or somebody else, really get into a groove when it comes to finding success from three, getting into a scoring rhythm, that could be a very, very, very dangerous route to go in a game that the Grizzlies should win. The Grizzlies just simply need to play to their strengths, play the best basketball that they can getting points off the hustle, off turnovers, off offensive rebounds, and also letting their ball movement lead to high percentage opportunities they can convert on offense. If they can defend the three on defense and contain Norman Powell the best that they can, I think the Grizzlies, if they get those offensive rebounds and get points off turnovers, I think they have a very good chance to win this game. So much is going on around the NBA. It's fun to have basketball itself back We'll have the latest for you here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Check out yesterday's show with Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft, on some names to watch out for when it comes to the 2022 NBA Draft. 
but also make sure to check out the Locked on Grizzlies podcast for all the latest when it comes to trades involving potentially the Grizzlies as well as around the NBA. Check out the Locked on NBA podcast as your second listen of the day as well for the latest news and rumors over the next few days. Hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Go Grizzlies. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.